We continue uh, in a series that we've been going at for a while this morning called Follow Jesus. If you have a Bible with you this morning, let me invite you to open up to John chapter 5 as we finish out the second half of this chapter this morning. So, anyone watch anything um, interesting this week? Anyone? No? Nothing out of the ordinary, just pretty, pretty normal humdrum kind of a week? Not really? I'm going to ask questions the whole morning, so you're going to have to interact. You're going to have to let me know how it was. Obviously, what a week, right? It's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy year, um, to say the least, for all the reasons that we all already know. Um, this week in particular, though, election results have, have concerned us as we've waited and wanted to see, and, and we want to know that there's going to be safety, and we want to know that there's going to be stability, um, I think at the heart of all this, for every single person, wherever you may be at spiritually, we ultimately want to know who is in charge, right? Who is in authority? What is in authority? Who really is telling the truth? Who really has integrity? Who can I trust? Those are not questions just for this week. Those are questions for life, aren't they? You know, maybe that's not been an issue for you so much globally or nationally, but I know for all of us personally, when we face questions and challenges, we have that same deep down heart longing of who is in charge, who can I lean on, who ultimately is in control. When we get anxious or when someone gets sick or when someone that we love passes away, when there's strife in our marriage or when we're struggling with our children or we're watching one or, or several of our children walk away from their faith in Jesus, we ask that question, Lord, who's in control? When sin overwhelms us or becomes so enticing and we see ourselves just failing over and over again and we become frustrated, we ask that question, who is in control here? More so, when you suffer for the name of Jesus, when you are attacked or provoked because you love Jesus. When following Jesus costs you something, and brothers and sisters, it should cost us something. It should cost us everything. When you are hated, and Jesus reminds us in his scripture, if, if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. When you're trying to pour out love like Jesus has poured out for you, and you're pouring out and you're pouring out but you're, you're missing where Jesus is pouring back into you and you begin to dry up. Who's in control? Who can we trust? Who can we rely on? This passage this morning speaks powerfully. Jesus speaks powerfully to these issues. We're going to get, begin in verse 19 of chapter 5 this morning. And the situation is this. We just looked last week. Jesus heals a paralyzed man. A man who had been paralyzed and hopeless for 38 years. And at a word, Jesus heals him. And the enemies of God, the, the Pharisees, who have their own set of rules, who claim to be very religious, who are the powerful ones of the day, they are disgusted that Jesus would heal this man and that Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath. They are disgusted that Jesus has made an offer of salvation and grace to him. And the Bible says specifically that they began persecuting and attacking Jesus at that very day because he healed a man on the Sabbath. 
And what we read now is Jesus' words immediately in response to those attacks, to all who are hearing. And there would have been people listening who hated Jesus already, and there would have been people who were listening who were drawing near to Jesus and coming to understand that he was and is the Savior of the world. So listen now to the words of Jesus, beginning in verse 19, and I'll read through verse 29 this morning. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority. He has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let's take a moment and let's pray and thank God for his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts that we may listen and hear, as the scripture says this morning, and believe. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Three demonstrations this morning of the authority of Jesus to embolden his followers and to invite those who are seeking him this morning. Three demonstrations. Number one is this. We see this very clearly right off the bat. Jesus has authority because he is one with God the Father. I can imagine a lot of different things that Jesus might say in this immediate response to people who dislike what Jesus is doing. But this is what Jesus wants to begin with, is to communicate that he has authority and that he is one with the Father. And Jesus' claim here is so audacious and so shocking, for the Pharisees at least, that they assume that he must be blaspheming. In fact, that is the very accusation that they will use against him when he is crucified. They want to kill him and eventually they will be successful because what he is doing clearly from beginning to end of this passage and throughout the Gospel of John and throughout the New Testament is Jesus is claiming to be God. And they do not believe, and they will not hear. And this reminds us, all people, all times, all places, there are only two choices here. Jesus is either a liar, or he is a truth teller, and he really is God. There is no third option, right? If I come to you this morning and I claim to be God, I am either not God and I am a liar, 
or I am telling you the truth, and I am. Let me be clear. I am not God. Let me be additionally clear. Jesus is God, and that is his message for us this morning. And I think that is such a powerful word for us now because our culture is starving for truth. Our world, our nation, our city is desperate for the truth. Jesus says three times in this passage, truly, truly, I say to you. That is like the most exaggerated, intense, powerful way that in his language that he can say to you, what I am telling you is without error. It is unquestionable. Here is the truth. And so an age that we live in where everything is relative and, and what's true for you doesn't have to be true for me, Jesus is saying, here is the truth. He's going to tell us a couple things about him and his relationship with the Father. First, he says that Jesus is one with God the Father, that he is one with God the Father in his actions, in what he does. And he says it negatively and positively in the same uh, couple verses here in verse 19. I can do nothing but what God the Father is doing. Positively, what God the Father is doing, that is what I do. You know, it's not just in this moment, though. We get a bigger picture. What we're being told here is that from the beginning, from the beginning of creation, from the foundations of the world for all time, Jesus has been there and Jesus is God and Jesus is doing the work and the actions of his Father. Look at Colossians chapter 1. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, by Jesus... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hallelujah. Thank you, God the Father, that that is true of Jesus Christ. Not only that, Jesus, we are told, is one with God in his identity. I am one person and also one being. Here I am. This is all of me. I'm right here. And yet God in his power, God is Trinity. Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet still one being. Is that hard to grasp? Yeah. God is hard to grasp. He is that big. He is that powerful. As we survey all of Scripture and the ways that it explains this to us, Uh, The Westminster Confession of Faith has a really clear, uh, succinct way of kind of summarizing the the power of what do we mean when we say Trinity. Listen, Listen to this. It describes the Trinity in the unity of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. We just saw that in Colossians. The Holy Spirit eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. So Jesus is one with the Father in action, in identity. He's also one with the Father in his obedience. Jesus never disobeyed. He willingly, willingly obeyed, even to death on a cross to save us. The Father gives up the Son. The Son gives up the Father to save me, to save you. And you the, op- the exact opposite is true of us. We disobey the Father all the time. 
We are born not interested in obeying God. That's why we need the grace and the salvation of Jesus so much. And we need his love. And that's the other point that Jesus makes here, that Jesus and the Father are one in their love. His word tells us in other places, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Not love is God. God is love. And this is how we know, Ephesians 5, 2, Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. If you want to know the love of God, you have to know it through Jesus, and we can all experience it through Jesus. And so I don't know exactly what your day or your week or your month or your year or even the last five years has looked like, but let me encourage you that this is what we should walk in every day. The hills and the valleys, the good days and the bad days, that Jesus is God and therefore Jesus has authority over every part of this world. Amen? He is in control. You know, we have been reminded in so many small ways in reality, but we're reminded that life isn't safe, that bad people do bad things, that Satan is an active, roaring lion, that people will fail, that government will inevitably fail, that health and wealth will inevitably fail. The idea of safety, we've realized that ultimately it is a delusion unless we are hanging on to Jesus. Leadership is corrupt left and right because all people are corrupt in their hearts without the work of Jesus. There is injustice everywhere, but Jesus is in control. Jesus has all authority. Jesus is truth. Jesus is love because Jesus is the Son of God. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, for all things work together for the good of those who love him. Jesus is God. He is one with the Father. Jesus goes on though. Second thing that he wants to teach us this morning, Jesus has authority to give Life. Jesus has the authority to give life. Look at verse 21, and then let's look at verses 24 through 26. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus has the authority to give the gift of life. Jesus returns here again to a lesson that he gave in John chapter 3 earlier when he taught us about the new birth. And he was answering the question, and he's answering again now, how can the spiritually dead be made alive? Because we see here and in other places that all of us are born spiritually dead and must be raised to life, and we can't do it. It's only by the gracious initiating act of God through the Holy Spirit. And so in John chapter 3, He teaches us about this idea of regeneration or the new birth by raising the spiritually dead to life. Another chapter later, John 6, 44, the scripture will say this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The point of this is God's love is so good, is so great, and our sin is so great. God calls first. 
and then we must respond by hearing and believing. In fact, we see that the Father plans, the Son executes, the Spirit applies the work here of life. We know that the giving of all of life, whether it's the birth of a brand new baby like we celebrated this morning, whether it's spiritual regeneration or our resurrection to eternal life, all of it comes only from God. All of it comes only from Jesus, the Son of God. So when Jesus tells us He's able to give life, He's telling us again that He is God. The gift of life here is so simple. It's so good. It's such a gift. It says, hear and believe. Think of all the things that you are tasked with doing, that you must do, that you are required to do. What we are being told is for the greatest gift, the most important thing that you can have in this life and beyond, the only thing you must do is hear and believe because we can't do anything else. The opportunity here is for everyone. The process is simple and the benefits are eternal. Romans 10.9 puts it this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 14.6, there is still only one way and it's through Jesus. John 10.10, the thief comes only to kill and to steal and to destroy, but Jesus says, I have come to give you life abundantly. The promise of resurrection and new life is available now, today, and it applies to all eternity. And the gift of life from Jesus, the Son of God, is so good. It's so good that it's permanent. See, because if eternal life could be lost, it's not that eternal, is it? Romans eleven twenty nine says God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. What does that mean? It means this. We inevitably hit those moments. What about when I mess up? What about when I make really big mistakes? What about those moments where I turn my my heart, I turn my back uh, against God and I willfully sin and I disobey? Have I lost my salvation? No. The very gift of God, salvation and life is from Jesus and it is permanent. If you have truly believed and asked him to be your Lord and Savior, then there is no sin that you can commit, says Scripture, that can separate you from the life and the love of Jesus. And so again, brothers and sisters, we've got to daily remind ourselves that Jesus is all authority, that he is God, and that he is the giver of life. When you are struggling, when you feel like life is being squeezed out of you, look to Jesus who is life, who is love. If you are angry, if you are frustrated, if you have given up, if you need help, look to Jesus, who is life. Jesus has one more lesson for us this morning. Third and finally, he tells us at the end of this passage that he has the authority to judge. He has the authority to judge. Look at verse 22 now, and then we'll pick up verses 27 through 29. For the Father judges no one. But has given all judgment to the Son, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus has authority in judgment. 
you in the Old Testament. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 17. It says only God can bring judgment. And it was a discussion of people judging one another, and it makes it very clear there is one who can judge, and it's God and God alone. So when Jesus here claims to be the judge of all, he's claiming once again, he's telling us who he is, that he is God. The Son of Man is this title that he introduces. The Son of Man is a prophetic title for Jesus that shows up for the first time in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. And it anticipated, get this, it anticipated the destruction of an evil empire, an earthly evil empire, and the inauguration of a gentle and graceful government that would ultimately be instituted by the Son of Man. We don't know who it is in Daniel. But we look forward to that moment when that Savior, when that King of Kings would come and Jesus fulfills it and he's telling you, I am that person that Daniel prophesied in the Old Testament. I am he. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 17, it gives a similar idea. God himself commands people everywhere to repent, says Acts chapter 17. And it says he has set a day when he will judge the world by a man whom he appointed and raised from the dead. Well, who's that? Jesus. Fully God. Fully man. The giver of life and the judge. Only the authority of Jesus, we see next, can raise the dead to life. I think about it. If you've ever been to a funeral, a military funeral, there will be a bugler, and that bugler will play Reveille. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? That bugler can play all they want. It doesn't matter how long or how beautifully he plays or she plays, no one is coming up from the grave. Nobody is getting up. But when Jesus' voice speaks, it says specifically that all people, believers and unbelievers, will rise back to life. Notice that it doesn't even say the Father's voice or the Holy Spirit. It says when Jesus' voice calls, all people will be raised back to life. And so what that tells us is death, earthly death here, is not the end of existence. It's not the end. We live in a culture that has rejected the idea of God, and they say very soundly, at death it is the end, and yet the Bible says the exact opposite. For all people, death is not the end. You know, before uh, 1492, there were Spanish coins. In these Spanish coins, they bore the image of the Straits of Gibraltar, which is where North Africa and Spain meet. And it was the extreme western edge, not only of Europe, but they assumed it was the edge of the world. And so they minted on these coins a picture of the Straits of Gibraltar and this inscription, no more beyond. Right, this is it. What happened in 1492? Anybody know? Anybody up on there? Teacher? Yeah, yeah. Columbus did a thing, right? 1492, go ahead. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Hmm, what happened there? Well, that's interesting. He found the new world, which of course was always there. It was just a matter of them realizing that it was there. Do you know what they did to those coins? They had to change the way that they minted the coins. They kept the Straits of Gibraltar on there, but they changed it to more beyond. See, when Jesus passed through the straits of death 
and rose back to life. He brought completion of what had always been there, the promise of eternal life in the Old Testament anticipated and through Jesus fully played out. Look at the book of Job. Do you know that Job is actually the oldest book of the Old Testament? It was most likely written before the book of Genesis was written. It shows up in the middle of the Old Testament, but it's not laid out chronologically. Look at what Job says in chapter 19, who's going through, by the way, far worse times than any of us could ever imagine. And he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives. Oldest book of the Bible. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He's hoping, he's looking forward to what Jesus has now fulfilled. So what do we learn here next from Jesus? He's going to tell us there are two forms of existence beyond the grave, one good and one terrible. One unto eternal resurrection life in heaven, says Jesus. Those in Christ will be judged and they will be judged innocent. Because the death of Jesus Christ has already paid the guilt and the penalty for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus has conquered sin and Satan and death on our behalf. And so when we are judged, we will be judged not guilty. Enter into heaven, enter into paradise. You know, God created man and woman in Trinity as well, body, soul, and spirit, and God makes all three ultimately new in salvation. And then there is a resurrection unto eternal judgment. And when it says judgment there, Jesus says the word judgment. In Greek, it's actually the same exact word translated condemnation. When we looked at John 3.16 and then verse 18, It says there's eternal life or there's condemnation. It's the same word. In the King James Version, it translates it damnation, judgment. Hell is a real place. Throughout the New Testament and the Old, where it begins to describe it, hell is a real place and it is always described in terms of eternal fire, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is not imagination, it is not a children's bedtime story, not that you would want to start with that, but it is not a fairy tale. It is a place that all of us deserve, and it is a place that those who reject life offered in Jesus will experience eternally, that they will experience the justice of Jesus. And we don't like that. Our culture doesn't like that. And we try to explain away the uncomfortable parts of Scripture. And so we'll do that by saying, well, God is love. Yes, he is. 1 John 4, 8, we just read it. God is love and God is also justice, which this passage, this very passage tells us is the case. God is a God of mercy or love and justice. And he does both perfectly all the time. Right? I mess up at mercy and love all the time. I also mess up at justice all the time. God does both perfectly all the time. And the justice of God sends people to hell. And the mercy of God rescues them from hell. You know, we, we long for, we desire justice in this life as well we, we should We call out for it. But understand, when you talk ultimately about God's justice, you can't handle 
God's justice without his mercy. Because we are all guilty and we all need his mercy. And so Jesus is telling us here that our eternal existence depends on one thing and one thing alone, a personal relationship with him. That the difference between a resurrection unto life and the difference between a resurrection unto judgment is one thing. Do you know, have you believed in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Today is the day, says Jesus. The time is now, says Jesus, to trust and believe in him as your personal Lord and Savior. That I cannot save myself, but you have made a way where I have to do nothing because I can't do anything. It's only by his grace. It's only by his forgiveness, and that looks like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for what I have done. I've rebelled against you. Forgive me. Would you put my sins on that cross of Jesus? Pay for them so that I can be forgiven and I can spend eternity, all of eternity, in heaven with you, Lord. That's it. And when you ask him to save you, You are asking him to be your Lord, your king, your authority. Jesus is, Jesus has all authority. But you are saying, my heart is now tuned to you. I want you to be in charge of my life. I take myself off the throne of my life because honestly, I mess it up every time. Lord Jesus, I want you to be in charge. I want you to be my lead. I want you to be my king. Will you trust him? Jesus is good. Jesus is love. Jesus has all authority. Jesus brings life, and Jesus brings judgment. Will you trust him this morning? Let's take a minute and let's pray to this good God and Father, Son Jesus and Holy Spirit.